You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Summertime is here, and that means it's time for family vacations, sunscreen, and barbecues. But the most important thing to do this summer is prepare for your family's future with an estate plan from LegalZoom. It is National Make-A-Will Month, which I did not know was a thing, is right around the corner. And it is the perfect time to make sure you're prepared for the future. Because the future will come. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but the future will come. And it helps to know what your options are. LegalZoom is not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys is available in 50 states, and they can work with you to make sure you're getting the right estate plan. Whether that includes a will or a living trust, they'll provide specific advice to address the needs of your family. Plus, during National Make-A-Will Month, LegalZoom's pulling a bunch of helpful resources together all in one place to make it a little easier to ensure your family and assets are protected. Now keep listening. Uh, we're going to be talking more about this in August. But to find out more now, check out LegalZoom.com for special offers that are coming your way. If you have a family member or own anything that you care about, and I certainly hope that you do, you won't want to miss out. In meantime, you can save by entering friends at checkout at LegalZoom.com. Again, enter friends at checkout at LegalZoom.com. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, a show about difference, about conversations, about conversations about difference, and how sometimes those conversations can get a little awkward. It's a show also about addressing and correcting the mistakes we make in conversation. And with that in mind, I would like to respond to some feedback I got about last week's show, which included a conversation with Michelle Goldberg about the experience that we as women have uh, with a president who is an admitted sexual assailant um, occupying the Oval Office and being uh, present in our lives day after day after day. Michelle and I really focused on how it is hard, if not impossible, for well-meaning people, and I want to emphasize people, not just men, but well-meaning people who don't already understand to come to understand that sense of threat and menace and insult um, that is the Donald Trump presidency. I got a lot of really great feedback reminding me that, of course, women are not the only people who know what it's like to have a abuser or harasser present in their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. Of course, men are survivors of sexual abuse and assault 
and harassment as well. And I imagine a lot of them are experiencing that same daily insult that Michelle and I talked about. I also heard from people who wanted to point out, and I I apologize for not thinking of it in the moment. Uh, there are whole swaths of people who have a historical reference for what it's like to have the occupant in the Oval Office not respect their dignity, uh, their freedoms, uh, their rights, and indeed their um, physical safety. Whole swaths of people who know exactly what that's like. In fact, that experience is something, or one of the things I talk about with my first guest, Greg Howard, who is a writer for the New York Times Magazine. Uh, We also talk about a piece of his that went viral, why it went viral, and why he wrote it. And after that, we talked to Rick Wilson, uh, one of my favorite and perhaps your favorite never Trump sort of Republicans. Uh, we check in with uh, Rick about this uh, transgender ban thing and um, have a rather spirited discussion of whether or not one should consider that a distraction. Both of those conversations coming right up on With Friends Like These. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. I don't know if you listened to last week's show. Uh, I did. Okay. Well, you know, it was, uh, I think, you know, I'm going to say I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. And uh, I thought both guests talked about some important things. And uh, the second segment, you know, was me and Michelle Goldberg kind of talking about um, the experience of having someone who's an admitted sexual assailant in office and how that is this daily insult uh, that I personally have to just not think about all the time uh, or else it'll incapacitate me. And we were talking about how much trouble, like how, you know, men, even sympathetic men can't possibly understand what it's like to have this daily insult of a sexual assailant in office. And um, basically ever since we said goodbye and that interview got kind of booked and and went up in the in the podcast feed, I've been like, you know what, Anna? You're a fucking idiot. There's lots of men out there that can understand what it's like to have someone who is uh, violently opposed to their existence in office. Um, so, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, just officially, I mean, I, I'm I, sorry. I, you know, I spaced. And it's not an excuse. Well, it's not. It's not. I, I don't know. It, I, I agree um, with you, but it's, it's also not the same flavor. No, of- no of you know of fear and it's not the same flavor of uh resentment i guess um i think they're very similar and they're there's definitely uh you know a, a crossover um but i'm I'm a little torn on this too all right because it's not it's not as easy as it's not a one-to-one matchup it's not a exact overlap of um experience or or feeling so I think there's a there's a level of like resentment for women specifically um and and hatred for women that is that is different than hatred for people of color but um and men of color I think you know um which I think is something I kind of touch on in my in my story with you know with uh, white women walking as well that I guess we can get into more, but 
um, for the most part, for the the idea that you know the person um, heading the government um, and people around them have an intense hatred for you and and don't consider you um, uh, even a full person, you know, or um, worthy of the same rights and opportunity and happiness as um, as himself or as you know uh, people who look like him is. Um, that definitely matches up well to me. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anyone quite has it like, <laughs> like women, to be honest. I don't think, uh, <laughs> Including women of color, like. too. I mean, women <laughs> yeah, of color, yeah, of course. And also trans people and gay people. I mean, basically, there's a lot of us that are invalidated by this president, right? Like, right, right. And it's a, a slightly different experience for everyone, you know, um, the kind of the kind of invalidation, perhaps, or the kind of fear is slightly different for everyone, because that's right. also the kind of what Michelle and I were talking about um, is basically what it feels like to have to have your existence, you know, governed, literally governed by someone who you fear, you know, right? like who and who has a history of doing violence to people like you. And it's just it. It, it weighs on you. It doesn't, um, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's a weight on my shoulders every single day, waking up, knowing that, yeah, you, know, you know, like, um, I don't know, like I, I live in New York, I live in Brooklyn. I've, uh, you know, I, I think I'll die here. I think it's the greatest place in the world and stuff. And, uh, before the election, you know, it was kind of, even as, you know, as racism, uh, was ramping up across the country and you had, you know, uh, Nazis coming out the woodwork, um, you know, and white supremacists coming out the woodwork and going on, uh, you know, mainstream channels and, and having, you know, and speaking at rallies and stuff. And you had, um, the Klan, you know, putting their hoods back on and everything like that. Like it was always this, this idea that it wasn't going to touch me here as, um, a kid from DC you know, um, who grew up in a diverse, uh, middle-class, um, I guess, uh, well, area in Maryland. And then, you know, I moved to New York, uh, which is like this great, you know, inclusive diversity. You, you never really thought that it would touch me. And then when, you know, when there was a white supremacist who, you know, who took a bus up from Baltimore, and stabbed a, the first, a random black person to death. Um, it, it, you know, and you, and you start seeing things like swastikas and stuff like that, um, were being drawn on buildings or being, t- you know, tagged on buildings and, and subways and stuff like that. It, it kind of made you realize that there's no real safe space. And, and I like that, that loss of personal, uh, safety, you know, and, and the fact that I, I didn't really, have concern for my own well-being the fact like losing that um that's kind of it's kind of changed i think who i am pretty fundamentally and 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 it's affected my mood and um uh, you know and and just how i see the world and how i see other people and you know he the guy got elected like what like eight months ago mm-hmm. you know like, <laughs> like he just moved in what like six months ago or something like that you know and it's it's already who I am fundamentally because I don't have um, the same sense of security and I wake up every day and I 
with without that sense of security. And I and I think that's that's probably how it feels like to sort of be a woman, you know, like all the time. And trans and, you people know, this I, morning who woke up, you know, to a, a greeting that they're not fully, you know, uh, right. worthy right. Of, of being treated like people. And, you know, I see the, that tweet storm that Trump did this morning that like I'm going to talk to our next guest, um, Rick Wilson, about it a little more thoroughly. So I don't want to get too sidetracked, but it's like declaring open season on trans people. <laughs> like, right. It's like right. putting a target on them. That's exactly what it is. You know? Right. And 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 they, as if they didn't feel targeted before, right? I mean, they they they're in one of the most precarious positions in our society, you know, in terms of their daily living, especially trans people of color, you know, historically and just statistically, um, as victims of, of violence and hate crimes. Um, so it's so let's let's actually so let's start. We, I think we've we've pinpointed something that's. Um, a shared experience of sorts, right? Which is that there's an unprecedented number of people living under this president who feel on a day-to-day basis like their safety um, has been threatened on, in some way, some more, some more specifically than others, right? And because Latinos right. are are literally also living in fear right now, right? And they have they have people they have they have armed and uniformed people coming after them um, with instructions right. to do so, whereas armed and uniformed people are coming after. <laughs> black people, but not without so much specific, specific instruction. Anyway. Right. Um, and women also are feeling this again, perhaps without specific instruction. Although we, we could talk about some of the, you know, misogyny that happens in the white house too, but your piece in the times that talked about a place where these experiences definitely diverge, right? Sort of literally, do you want to just share, share what you wrote about it, And then let's talk about the, what the controversy and well, conversation that um, happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, we put together, so our race related newsletter that goes out every week, um, New York times tries to tackle, um, different issues within race from different angles. And so what I thought would be a really enjoyable, um, <laughs> Greg. Uh, project when it, when it <laughs> popped up, um, in our pitch meeting was, um, the question of, you know, was that racist? And, and, you know, we all had, <laughs> um, and it's a lot of people of color in the group. Um, and we all, ha- you know, had different experiences where, um, you know, we don't know, <laughs> we didn't know if it were racist or not. Um, you know, my colleague, uh, John Alago, he went to, um, a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> uh, on mother's day and he wasn't given, um, he wasn't given tortilla chips and salsa. And then his, uh, his server, I believe she told him that they were, they didn't have any tortilla chips and salsa and, uh, or that they ran out and then, you know, they but everyone else the kitchen and got, they're coming out yeah. back. Yeah. And everyone else. And then, so, you know, and it was, I, you know, I kind of chuckled at that because it's a question that like, is that racist? I don't know. That's, that's weird. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, but, you know, for me, it was, I guess it was a little bit more serious. Um, and that I, you know, it, it's something that happens to me, you know, every day, um, multiple times a day. And it's, it's when I'm, you know, when you're walking in New York and the crowded sidewalks and, you know, uh, crowded underpasses and stuff like that, you know, everyone's kind of pressed together. I think that there's, 
um, general etiquette about, you know, how you go along moving through crowds and stuff. And, and, you know, they're unspoken. I think everyone kind of gives way for everyone else, you know, and that, you know, and I, you know, I call it acknowledging you and, you know, that might be stepping to the side or even like, you know, shifting your body weight onto your one foot or the other, or, or, you know, or turning your shoulder slightly so that, you know, two people can, who are moving, get through the same space. Um, what I've noticed for years, um, is that, um, when I'm, you know, when I'm in a tight space and walking, um, towards someone, um, white women generally remain broad shouldered and walk through me, you know, expecting that I will, um, always give way to them. No, no people of color do this. Um, white men don't do it. And, um, it's not all white women, but, you know, um, whenever it does happen, um, it's white women, you know, but, um, uh, and, you know, sometimes I have to actually physically step off the sidewalk because, um, you know, because a woman refuses to, I guess, to give way with me and, you know, and they, um, invade my personal space. And, you know, it, it's something that, um, jars me every single time because, you know, you, you realize that there's some, like, you know, um, some rules have been unspoken rules have been broken, right. About walking among other people and walking along the sidewalk. And like, I think the chief among them is that you make it easier for other people when you guys are in closed spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I, what I've observed over my seven years living here is that, you know, um, Whenever, I'm, whenever those rules are broken and whenever my personal space is invaded to the point where I have to completely reroute or, um, you know, step off a sidewalk, which, you know, makes me the most furious um, for all that that entails or something like that, it's, it's, it's always a, a white woman. And I was, I was you know, the, I wrote an article about why. <laughs> like, why. Why is it always a white woman? Like, is that, is that racist? Um, am I being crazy, you know, and also why, um, do I feel, uh, um, obligated to be the one to, um, always, you know, always give way, always step off the sidewalk. Because when I talk to so many people, um, not black men, but, um, you know, uh, black and brown women, typically they say, no, we're just going to keep walking. And if, you know, if they don't want to get out of our way, then, uh, and we're going to bump, you know, and I, I feel really, really, <laughs> um, allergic to any kind of, uh, physical contact with, uh, white women. I don't know. Well, that seems, yeah, that, that historically has been not does that not end well for black men let's say right right yeah so yeah, yeah. and I, uh, I i'm sorry go ahead well i was going to say like i uh, talked to a, a, a friend of mine who's a, a black man who said who had a kind of parallel story about how he is always aware when he is walking um in the at night usually and there's a white woman on the sidewalk he will cross the sidewalk to not follow that person and to not and to avoid her because he knows the implicit threat that he might face and he's tired yeah. of like, and he basically, it's not that he, he's acknowledged. It's not, he's saying, yes, I am threatening. He just doesn't want to deal with that potential. Dynamic. Yeah. When 
I this yeah, this is actually really interesting. What what I do, I won't cross the sidewalk. Um, but I'll speed up and pass the woman. Like I'll give her wide berth and pass the the white woman. Right. So that like she can see me, so that she knows that I'm not like lurking behind her or anything like that. Like that she understands that it's it's safe. Like I'll be I'll be loud. I might like whistle. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm listening to music or something like that. It's I mean it's it's a it's a thing, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and it's because you don't. Uh, I guess you don't want to deal with that, but also uh, I think beyond that, it's uh, there is a. Uh, uh, I, I think you're learned that oh, you know, uh, a white woman is justified in fearing you, and it's something that I think um, is drilled into black men's heads and uh, from an early age. Right, and I sort of so there's a part of me that wants to just dig into your experience on this, right? Because like explore these two what seem like on the surface diametrically opposed experiences right like the experience of a white woman needing to avoid her and and make her feel safe and then the experience of the white woman barging in through your space and i I want to dig in and like try and figure out like if we can reconcile those impulses and like what's going on there and then there's a part of me that wants to just talk about how like you got ganged up on by the right-wing media for this so (laughs) i've got nothing but time Um, So true story, Third Love is a sponsor of the show. And this week, I actually did a little unintentional advertising for them because uh, my Third Love bra strap was showing uh, on national TV. And it was a Third Love bra strap. And if you actually are a Third Love uh, customer, you might have noticed that because it has this like extra thick um, sort of padding to it um, for those of us that need extra uh, thick padding on the shoulders. And I actually love that bra, which is why I wore it, even though it wasn't quite the right bra for the shirt. What I really need is a racer back bra. Uh, Unfortunately, I actually looked for a racer back bra on Third Love and they're sold out of the size and color that I wanted. But um, I have them going to contact me when they get it because I actually am a Third Love customer and I was before the show. Um, They offer a great shopping experience and even better than that, um, they have some of the best fitting bras I've ever used and you buy them online because they have used thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit better and feel great. They even have half sizes. There is a perfect fit for everyone. And you can find yours in just seconds by answering some simple questions on their Third Love Fit Finder. You can also try one of their best-selling bras free for 30 days. You just pay for shipping up front and you get one of their signature 24-7 bras. You can cut the tag off. You can see how easily it fits you and fits into your life. You can wash it. You can wear it. You might forget that it's on, although I'll be totally transparent. I don't think there's a bra in the world that anyone can really forget they have on, but you can still love your bra. And if your third love bra isn't your favorite, you can return it or exchange it for free. Again, I'm an actual customer. I have multiple third love bras. I am going to be ordering a more suitable racer back bra as soon as they're available in the size and color I want. And you can order your bra at thirdlove.com slash friends. Go there now to find your perfect fitting bra. Try it for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com slash friends and try your new favorite bra for free. Thirdlove.com slash friends. 
What I want to point out is that that the, I think the proper thoughtful response to your piece, even if one doesn't agree with it or doesn't have the same experience, is well, let's figure this out, right? Like. I haven't noticed this before. I want to know more about it. I want to know about your experience. I want to know about the experience of other people of color, right? Like, right. that seems like what a person who didn't necessarily agree with your, your piece or have your same experience, like, that seems like the way a person who was thinking would respond, you know? Not like, but that's not the response the right-wing media had. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, it's definitely not. Um, I actually think, the, like, the responses basically came in uh, a few different camps. I mean, you know, cause I've gotten, I don't know, hundreds of emails and, uh, DMs and weird LinkedIn requests, friend requests and stuff like that from people I have no connection to, um, mm. over the last few days. And it's actually been kind of intimidating, but mm. for the most part, like people of color are saying, thank you. I thought it was just me or, or laughing at, you know, at the observations that mm-hmm. I made. Um, and then you have uh, white people. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then there are the white people. I, yes, that's always yeah. that's always the other half of the story. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think uh, there there's a minority um, of white women who reached out to me who reacted um, in that exact way. Like I either either just believing me, right? Taking my word for it and saying, wow, I didn't know that I did this or I have to look out more, you know, I have to look out more uh, for whether I'm doing this. You know, maybe not quite I believe you, but like I think it's worth looking into. Oh, I mean, and just to be clear, I believe you. I just am like, I just can't quite get my head around it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, what's going on here? That's what I, I, my, my, impulse is to try and figure out what's happening like i'm sh- and, yeah. and also to look at my own be- behavior and see if that's happening with me i mean i'm yeah. totally 100 percent this to believe that this is your experience okay um. <laughs> well, thank you. That's, that's wonderful to hear um, you know what it should be like believe the women believe believe black people like believe people of color right, right. you know <laughs> like, but you know right. I, I i but like the vast majority of people and they usually are coming from the right because they have names like conservative chick 55 or (laughs) Chad or something like that. MAGA deplorable USA. Right, right. right, Exactly. Um, you know, or like, you know, Brian from Omaha was one guy and, um, (laughs) you know, um, they're calling me, they're calling me a racist. Right. 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 Or when they're not calling me a monkey or Mm. a nigger, right. Or saying I have no home training or that, you know, this is why fatherlessness in black communities are a crime because we don't have manners or, you know, or they're saying, you know, which I thought was cute, is you're right about white women not getting out of your way. They do it to me, too. And I'm a white man, you know. Um, mm. But and and the vast majority of things that, like, I think right conservative organs like Fox and Breitbart and stuff have latched on to more than anything else is that um, they're saying that I'm attacking white women, Mm. you know, and they're not even, they're not even engaging with what my uh, observation or critique is. Um, 
they're just saying that I, it's not my place. I don't have the right to attack white women. And it's been, it's been really educational for me for a couple of reasons. And first, like, I, I don't think, um, I've had an article, uh, really blow up like this, definitely among the, like among the right. And that's because I, I write about black people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they have, you know, a lot of, you know, conservative white people have no re- real reason to write, to read about black people. And no interest, um, right? Or they have, oh, they have reason. I would actually argue, Greg, they have reason to read. <laughs> they just have no interest. Well, yeah, yeah, they have no desire <laughs> or interest. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with, um, I know you, I'm friends with a lot of uh, women who write, you know, uh, close friends with some. And um, I was expecting to be doxxed. I was expecting, you know, someone to post my address to, to, um, to threaten to kill me to, you know, or, or something like that. Um, and it was just people calling me names for the mm. most part and calling me stupid. No one threatened to kill me or rape me or show up to my house. It, you know, there, there, I think there's a glossary of insults reserved specifically for women that I didn't have to deal with, you know, um, and uh, and there's a glossary of threats, um, and, you know, to my personal physical safety that I didn't have to deal with because I was um, because I'm a man. And it was it was so, so fascinating because, you know, I know women who get bashed worse than I ever had. And I was like, whoa, this is bad. I mean, you know, I'm still getting responses coming in of people calling me names for the most part. Um, and I, I, I haven't yet had my physical safety threatened. And I think it's because. I'm a man. Um, but, you know, but the other, well, and another side of that is that the idea that I am attacking white women has really taken hold. And every article that, or you know, that's been written about mine or every segment on, you know, Fox and Friends or Tucker Carlson or something like that, it's about um, how I am attacking yeah. white women. And I, I, I find that really interesting too because you know like through that vocabulary is interesting right like that's that's what's the sort of rich vein yeah is to use that frame or or it doesn't matter you know how true or legitimate what i'm saying is it's just you know it's just you're you're attacking white women and i think in our history there's so many policies that reinforce you know our our racial caste system um that are justified by saying like we have to protect white women specifically from black men, you know, mm-hmm. like from, you know, segregation, miscegenation laws, you know, housing discrimination. I mean, you can even see now with like Justine Diamond, um, you know, who was killed by a Somalian police officer in Minnesota. And you put, you know, you, you put her story and her tragic, um, disgusting death compared to Jamia Rice's or Mike Brown's, uh, you know, or Philando Castile or Trayvon Martin, Eric mm-hmm. Garner, like on and on. And it's, you know, the only, the thing that's getting the right up in arms about Justine Diamond is that she's a white woman. She was killed by um, a black man, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, and that's what's, that's what's terrifying. I mean, you can, uh, you know, I mean, you can even, uh, look at Trump with the Central Park Five, yeah. you know, and how he called for their heads and still won't apologize, you know. Even uh, though they were exonerated by DNA 
evidence. Right. You know. Right. And, right. He, and he still won't apologize because the the truth of what he was saying is that we no, we must protect, you know, our our feminine, fragile um, white women from, you know, these uh, boorish, uh, beastly black men. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what we're that's what we're talking about here. And, let, and let's face it, I mean, one one the huge problem here is that some white women believe this, right? Yeah, like um, that's the the onus. I mean, what we white women have to own that that we right. bought into the same mythology, right? And also, they use the similar argument about about bathroom bills. Let's not forget that it's the same kind of the protecting straight white women. Um, I right, think. exactly. Um, yeah. Um, and, and they're most, you know, white women helped elect Trump. And I think in part because they believe that same narrative. And and that's what really, you know, that's what really gets to me. Right. Because like when you're talking about, um, you know, how your friend crosses the street or something like that, you know, or that, you know, I speed up and pass a woman. So I'm visible to her, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it's especially when it's dark out and I like, make myself louder and everything like that it 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 kind of all funnels into the same thing and all this this acknowledgement that you know uh white women you know um are afraid of black men you know and 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 it, it really governs so much of my life in ways that i don't really think about um and you know and 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 once you get into like stuff like public spaces and and um, you know and personal space, it, it it takes on like a a weird grotesque form that results in me stepping off the sidewalk completely, rather than um, you know rather than coming into contact with a woman like what with a white woman like why is the sidewalk uh, more yours and mine if we can both sort of you know shimmy to one side and go on our way without ever thinking about it. You know, you know, why do you feel that it's my prerogative to step off the sidewalk or step to one side or that it's um, the only thing me to get out of the way? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it, it, um, it, it gets really wor- wor- worrisome. <laughs> yeah. Well, because <laughs> ultimately, you know, a government is about protecting people's bodies, right? Like right. that is why we have civilization. <laughs> And right. in public spaces are where those bodies interact, and that's why some of the most vicious fights in history, and and in American history specifically, are over the use of public space, and over right. the use of like what whose bodies matter, whose bodies are worth protecting, you know. Right. And I mean, I guess part of me feels like I want to say I think it was very brave of you to write this piece, um, and I want to thank well, you for writing thank it. You. Um, and I, I do thank you for writing it. I mean, you know, we say this show is about uncomfortable conversations. Like this is a, this is a hell of a fucking uncomfortable conversation to have. Right. Um, although I think we're, we're, you and I are having it okay, but sort of the general idea (laughs) of women, white women needing to own some responsibility, um, for their actions and how they treat black men in public spaces. Like that's hard, you know? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I mean, I, my back goes up a little bit because I'm so used to thinking of needing to protect my body. Right. I don't think right. it's from black men specifically. 
but I'll confess, you know, like implicit bias is a thing, right? Um, yeah. And I may be doing what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, and what I mean, what bothers what bothers me, and like, I mean, the I think the crux of of this whole thing, right? The cru- I mean, the crux of like racism, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Is that like I'm like uh, I'm first of all, I'm small. I don't know how to fight. I think I'm like a pretty nice You're non-threatening guy. physically, I'm, kind of. I mean, let's face it, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not right. yeah. I I mean I I grew up in I grew up basically You're a nerd. In a like, diverse area. Yeah, you know. Um I mean I played soccer my whole life and it was it was I was a teenager, I think, before I had, you know, like non white kids on my team. Um mm-hmm. You know, I went to an all-white college. I have many, many great white friends. You know, um, outside of that, um, I'm smart. You know, I, I, I have multiple degrees. I'm like you work at one of the most prestigious jobs in the country for a writer. Yeah, and it doesn't it it doesn't fucking matter, right? (laughs) Like, like it doesn't matter. None of the circumstances of my life matter. Um, It doesn't matter how much money I have, right? It doesn't matter. Um, how well intentioned I am, and how much taxes I pay, or anything like that. Like if, uh, like uh, if a cop pulls me over or stops me, um, I'm in, I'm in, I could be in great danger, right? Like if I'm, um, if I bump a rude white lady on the sidewalk, um, who believes this, my personal space is more hers than mine, um. I could be in danger, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and it could be justified by the fact that I'm a black man. It's like, no, you can't say he's a black man, but he's he's got a cool job. You know, he's a black man, but um, you know, his best friend's a white dude. <laughs> you can't like, you can't, none of that, none of that matters. And and um, like you know, all that matters is that I'm a black man, and so you know, things can happen to me. Um, and it'll be justified by the fact that I am a danger and, if, and you know, and possibly a danger to white women specifically, you know, and, and, and for me, like the flip side of that is uh, that I, I know that all black women have to deal with this. And, um, and I had to, when I had an Afro and, and dreadlocks um, a few years ago, you know, I had dreadlocks for like six or seven years um, is like, white people but white women specifically like would invade my personal space and touch my hair often without even asking um that is just the weirdest thing to me i have to say like i yeah i know it happens all the time and i'm just i yeah every single day (laughs) it happens every single day and it's i mean because I don't know. Because I, I, you're worth like, less. Like you're, I mean, that's the message it sends. And that's why, like, I mean, so that's why I feel like this is such a great follow-up to the last week's show about Trump's presidency being a daily insult, is that we all have to watch out about what our daily insults are to other people, you know? Right. And, like, yeah. white women gotta own it, right? Like, right. we we have that same power, not the same power as the president of the United States, right? Of course, like, it's different, but we have it within our power to make other people feel small and feel not worth not worth um, the same rights we have and not worth the space that we get. And right. we gotta we gotta watch it. You know that will make a difference. 
I think I want to say just one thing, which I, I do think that people who are listening, it, it, it will make a difference if you personally try to try to, you know, monitor this behavior and be aware of it. It will make a difference in the life of, of another person. Right. If you just resist the urge to touch some dreadlocks. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, it feeds into everything like there, there's such. Uh, I don't know if on Twitter and stuff like that, you can see, especially with, with black women, there's so many people, so many black women who think, you know, don't touch my fucking hair. Don't touch my head. Don't touch me. And it, you know, I, 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 I think about this all the, all the time on it because like, you know, I invading someone's personal space is like one of the most, you know, tender, caring, like trusting things you can do. Right. Like, like, reaching out and touching someone's hair or playing with someone's hair or like picking lint off their clothes, you know, mm-hmm. or, or kissing them or something like, you know, you know, walking, you know, arm in arm or hand in hand. Like it's an, it's an agreement and you're, you're allowing someone in, right? Like it's like allowing someone into your home when someone just like, when someone would reach out and touch my hair or, you know, walk towards me on the sidewalk and, um, and force me to one side, you know, you know, um, and invade my personal space that way. Like it's, it's actual, it's an invasion. Like, I mean, it feels like a home invasion or, or something like that, you know, like, like the space that was mine and that is so important to me that I believe that I have alone. Um, I realize is no longer mine. And, and, and that's what you, I think that's what so many, black people know to be true and what so many minorities know to be true is that like, you know, your, your body, um, necessarily isn't like, isn't necessarily yours depending on where you are and who you're around, you know? And, and if you're in a public space, your body might not necessarily be yours. You know, if you're, um, have an, um, interaction with the government or law enforcement, you know, your, your personal space, your body, your personal health, that's not, you know, that's not really, <laughs> um yours you know how you come up come out of that it's not really up to you and and so you already had that and that was always there and then with with trump when you see um so many um white people who would who would maybe want to do my harm or maybe think that i'm subhuman or something like that um but didn't have the balls to um you know when obama was the president or Bush was the president or any time in their life now when you see them um, just the just the rash of, of racist events across the country. Um, you see, you know, Jeff Beauregard Sessions mm-hmm. um, as the attorney general, you know, um, it, you realize that uh, whatever, whatever, you know, confidence and personal safety and your personal safety that you might have had, um, that's shrunk as well. And it's, um, it's a very unique feeling and it's it's something that, um, it's a new type of fear that I've never felt ever before. And the fact that anyone could physically harm me at any time or that there's no real safe space for me anymore that like, you know, that's open season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I want to yeah, just we, I, I want to just interrupt because I think you're making a great point, but I want to bring it back to some this there's a there is a Venn diagram here, right? Like right. where 
other other kinds of people are feeling similar things. And again, I'll just set, you know stress everyone's experience is slightly different. But Muslims, right. um, you know, Latinos, uh, LGBTQ people, um, women, we are all having this kind of unprecedented experience uh, right. of feeling our physical safety in danger in a way that we haven't been as consciously aware of before. Now, I will say right. all of all of those groups of people have had the same have had awareness about their physical safety in other ways. Right. Like, let's not discount the historic <laughs> oppression and right. violence. And, um, but this particular president at this particular historical moment to have the person who's sitting in the Oval Office in various ways give signals to his followers that these people's lives and physical beings are not worthy of respect and in fact are not the same kind they don't exist on the same plane with the same level of humanity as they do right that's it, that's it, different at least for the, the for the modern era <laughs> you know <laughs> like, yeah and this is i mean this is fascinating to me too right like everyone everyone the jury's out on donald trump it's been out on donald trump for decades right he's he's scum of the earth right like everyone knows that there's no there's nothing you could say about Donald Trump. Um, there's nothing bad you could say about Donald Trump that's probably not true. Right. <laughs> like, at all, right? And, um, but, like, the saving grace, if there was one, was that he um, just doesn't give a damn about anything that doesn't, you know, that isn't directly in front of his face, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, I got kind of excited when he was like, um, transgender bathrooms or, you know, or, um, trans people using whatever bathroom they want. I don't give a damn, you know, like, right. like he's not like, he's not interacting with like with trans people, you know? And I was like, this is awesome. And he, you know how, like, he doesn't, you know, you know, he doesn't care about gay marriage because he, uh, because he's not gay. Right. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about gay people. And, and you, you, you kind of saw some, some weird, um, there was, there was hope in that in some ways, you know, you know, um, but one, two things that he does hate two pe- groups of people that he does care about and he does hate, um, are women and people of color, yeah. right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. his whole life, <laughs> you know, like the, um, Nixon, um, justice department sued, um, him and his father for having discrimination. I think what in the, in the seventies. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, there is a long, long, like, you know, everyone knows exactly how Donald Trump feels about women from his wives and daughters to, to everyone, you know? Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's different because, um, you know, that if nothing else happens, he's going to try to harm women and he's going to try to actively harm um people of color and uh, and and that to me is the scariest thing is if you say yeah of course he doesn't actually care about anything um but he does care about <laughs> he does care about women and he does care about people of color you know mm-hmm. and, and it's not it's not good he's he's not gonna lose sight of that and how he staffed up um you know, his, his cabinet and his government, um, I think has proved that. And, uh, just to, I feel 
probably should add that um and his personal beliefs while I agree I agree like are important and he does have those obsessions um right when he he can target his followers on other you know vulnerable groups and it doesn't matter what the fuck he thinks right right like he may not care about trans people but i can tell you from my twitter feed this morning (laughs) right exactly and that's the flip side is that you can't you can't uh, because he does it doesn't matter because he can say i don't care about trans people at all right let like let them you know do what they want and then it doesn't because he doesn't care he can ban them from the military today and declare open season because what's the difference to him right thank you so much greg for coming on the show thanks Anna. ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer Today, over a million people are using the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Ring knows home security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So they're extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring floodlight cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, the floodlight cam is motion activated, and it's a camera and floodlight that connects right to your phone with HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. See and speak to visitors, even set off an alarm right from your phone. With Ring's floodlight cam, when things go bump in the night, you'll immediately know what it is. Whether you're at home or away, the Ring floodlight cam lets you keep an eye on your home from anywhere. The Ring floodlight offers the ultimate in in in-home security with high visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. With Ring, you're always at home. And save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit. And you go to ring.com slash friends. Again, that's ring.com slash friends, ring.com slash friends. My conversation with Rick Wilson, Republican strategist and never Trump stalwart is coming right up. But I wanted to pop in to remind you that if that conversation with Greg brought up anything for you, you should take care of yourself. And if it is something having to do with sexual assault or harassment, you should call the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is run by RAIN, uh, the Race, Abuse, Incest National Network. Their number is 800-656-HOPE. That is 4673. 800-656-HOPE or 4673. And if you have sort of a more generalized issue of anxiety or struggling with something having to do with mental health, you can text the crisis text hotline, which is 741-741-741. And you can text them anything, anytime. They will help you find resources uh, and make sure you're okay uh, before they, they let you go. And with that, my conversation with Rick Wilson. Hi, Rick. Hello. Um, well, uh, it's, I'm glad to have you back. Um, checking in on our, our favorite uh, Never Trump correspondent from, from Red America. Uh, how are, how are you today? Let's just start with that. Well, look, I, I think today is a uh, the national stress test that Donald Trump has put this country through and has continued to put this country through. Uh, it's continued. Uh, I think today's uh, you know announcement of this uh, LGBT transgender ban uh, at the Pentagon is 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 absolutely the work of Steve Bannon and, and Steve Miller and Anthony Scaramucci trying to, to get people off the fact that Trump's had a pretty disastrous week on the Russia front and that, um, that health care is, is, is about to give the Democrats a sword to, uh, 
to 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 fight the election of 2018 with. It's it's been a it's been a it's it's a hell of a week. I'm really <laughs> glad that that in two days I'm going to be standing um, on the front end of of a, of a fishing boat uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, fishing and diving. So. <laughs> Well, and I hope you have a wonderful time while the while the country burns. Um, yeah, I, I, one last one last you know brief brief moment of uh, of relaxation before the fires and the screaming. Right. So, I mean, I I'm I'm glad you brought brought up the this incredibly crazy thing that happened this morning. We are taping on Wednesday for listeners because I actually wanted to talk to you about trans stuff. I, that was part of my plan. Um, mm-hmm. because you know. I like you. Um, I think, you know, you and I have had some have, have had lots of conversations off the air. Uh, I think yeah. we I, I see some parallel, if not overlapping values. Of course, I appreciate your humor and uh, incisive uh, insights into Trump. Um, so great. Always great having you on the air. But I have to say, because um, it was pointed out to me by by one of my friends who happens to be a trans person, you know, mm-hmm. You you have you have pointed to the trans bathroom issue as a reason why Democrats lost, right? Well, let me let me rephrase let me let me reframe that for you. Okay. The trans bathroom issue, uh, Democrats tend to walk away from clusters of issues people care about more, and they end up going for these things that make them feel great but don't move numbers in elections. And you only have a limited number of days, cycles, uh, and, and bandwidth in a campaign to communicate a message. Mm. And, and just in raw, hard fact and polling, no one cares about trans bathrooms as a driving issue. If I poll it and ask a, a panel of, of 20 questions, what's your most important issue? Every single time, every, every single time. Jobs, economy, national security, education, healthcare are going to be the top five in some varying order. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 issues that make you feel great aren't necessarily the issues that win votes, and the issues that may be they they may even be the right issues. They may even be a principal moral stand, but they don't necessarily help you win votes. And we live in a country that is fundamentally still driven by the 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 things that make people vote. They're still driven by things that are very immediate to them, and, and I, this is no in no way disrespect uh, disrespecting trans people, but that is an issue that is not a front and center everyday challenge to a suburban family in in Charlotte, North Carolina, or an unemployed industrial worker in Green Bay, Wisconsin, or. or or whatever, and like I said, it's, it's I'm doing this with my cold political guy hat on. Mm-hmm. You've got to go after things that make that make a meaningful difference to the large majority of people that you are trying to address in a campaign, because you always have limited time and resources and bandwidth to get to communicate a message. <clears throat> okay, like I understand that argument, I do, but it also feels like you know you have to you have to talk about your principles at some point, you know, and if one of your principles is equality and safety of people who are in vulnerable, you know, populations and, and their well-being and the, how they're treated by their government and by um, their employers and their communities, I mean, it seem, that seems like an important point 
you know, and, and I'm not arguing, I'm not arguing that it's unimportant and I'm not arguing that the issue doesn't exist by any means. Right. And, it, and also let's, 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 let's be clear. Also, it is the conservatives who made this an issue. Like they started it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I don't, I haven't really ever studied like the provenance of this thing, but I, I, I do think that, I, I do think that that is probably not completely incorrect. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, and I think people that, that, that are activated by this, um, are often surprised by the fact that, that even in the broad conservative community, there is not, um, in the broad conservative community, there's not a, there's not a sense of malice uh, about a lot of this. It, it, sometimes it is just a, a, a cultural disconnect between red and blue America. But if I've got my political guy hat on, and I'm, I'm talking about what wins an election, if I was a Democrat running in North Carolina, you know what I'd rather be talking about? If, you know, the job situation. Well, I'd rather be talking about. Well, of course, that those are those are better. Those are better issue spaces for Democrats to win in. Than, but, but while than, people are in danger, like you can't do that. I mean, like it's sort of I'd rather not talk about the house on fire, but the house is on fire, you know, in bathrooms matter. Public spaces matter. And then and, and also, I mean, and, and let's face it, like this is sort of I mean, maybe you just disagree, you're going to have to disagree about this, which is that. I fully accept that this that 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 Trump's incredible, and I do mean that kind of almost literally, right? Like I almost yeah. can't believe the actual it. meaning of incredible. The actual meaning of incredible rant this morning was clearly written by someone else, by the way, because it wasn't a rant. If it was a rant, it would have been written by him. <laughs> it, it, it felt very Steve Bannon to me, right? Yes, and that thank you at the end, right? Like that was that was uh-huh. not Trump. Um, I I get the political analysis that that is cover for something um in part because it's just it's just you cannot policy does not work that way and there is someone in the white house who realizes that policy doesn't work that way right (laughs) like like, and and also remember they they did this decision while jim mattis was on the one vacation he takes a year yeah i didn't even know that that's that yes so so even more so i see this as, as almost transparently a purely uh political ploy to well, you, you know, you know my 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 long defense department stuff. Right. Uh, I emailed with a friend this morning who is who who we knew each other when I was a brand new uh, guy at the Pentagon, and he was a young dumbass first lieutenant. And somehow he's got three stars now, so we're all growing up. But um, I emailed him this morning, and his response was was he goes off the record f this guy because you know uh, in 1948 on the same day Truman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, integrated the military service. He was, we were, we were going to make this work. It wasn't going to be easy or fun uh, for everybody, but we were going to make it work because we always make it work. Mm-hmm. The military and, leads on these issues. Know, they do. Yeah. They, they can show the rest of the country how to do it if they want to. Yeah. And, and, and look, the, you, if you go back, if you go back right now and look in 1948, I assure you, you can find a lot of, 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 Southern and 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 frankly uh, and frankly upper Midwestern legislators who were basically saying these Negroes cannot possibly serve in our armed forces it will cause great disruption and we can never ever ever accommodate it it will never work right and they'll have probably um, they would probably have numbers to back it up on some level right they'd probably be able to cite some kind would, of like well, I'm sure made I'm, up I'm sure 
budget. And, and here's reasons, here's but... the thing, and I, I don't again, I don't mean this as a slight to trans people, but honest to God, the numbers we're talking about here are de minimis. Okay, we are not talking about about hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or probably even thousands of cases a year. We're probably talking about a couple of hundred cases a year, from what I understand. And and, and look, it's, the, the Defense Department's a big organization, 2.45 million people, uh, civilian and military. It, it's a big organization. These numbers are a drop in the bucket of the overall pool of, of possible recruits. But listen. You can, here, I, there my, is steam coming out of my ears, Rick. Like, literally, uh, like. Uh, look, now I'm saying that it's, the, the, I, the, I I know it, but like it doesn't matter. Like if it's only if it's only a fr- small fraction of the of the society I mean, being know, no, persecuted. You're, you're missing my point. You're missing my point. Okay, okay, okay. The argument by the White House that this is super disruptive. Oh right, okay, okay, okay. I didn't know where you're going. And blah, blah, okay. blah. It's bullshit. That is bullshit. Yes. Okay. Good. I thought you were going in a different direction. Here's, here's <laughs> my sort of libertarian position on it. I have a general sense that. I don't want the government making a set of moral decisions through whatever whatever the moral posture du jour of the of the administration is, um, and, and saying you know we're going to accomplish X or Y goal because it makes our base feel good when it's something as consequential as our national defense. Listen, if if there's a a, a, a trans person of either direction who wants to go who speaks Farsi or speaks Dari or Pashto, fuck yeah, put them in. Get them going. Get to work. If they if they want to serve the country, I don't think we should turn down competent people. You know, if there are if there are things if there are things that we do as a country that that uh, national policy that's meant to to, to basically be a uh, you know a, a, a to to basically exclude people who otherwise have a set of desires and talents to serve their country, then you know we're probably doing something wrong. And and look, I, I do not believe that I do not believe that, that that being gay or being trans is some sort of moral choice that people make. It's not some sort of policy choice that they make. Uh, I do believe it's it's inherent in some in some you know meaningful way. And and they're not not American citizens at that point just because they're just because they're in that category. Just as just because somebody is an evangelical Christian. Uh, they're not, you know, part of a category that could be de- should be denied, you know, uh, a position because their beliefs, their behavior, or their lifestyle. It just doesn't it doesn't sit with me right. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, but I think you know we're falling into the trap here of of playing Bannon's game of everybody having a hissy fit about this on left and right. You know, there I see a lot of I see a lot of conservative writers today. And I'm so and I'm such a bitch right now, including one who I know is in the closet, mm-hmm. ranting and raving about what a great decision this is by the White House to finally teach those gays a lesson, um, and, and finally teach those LGBT people a lesson that we're not going to play their political correctness games. Um, uh, you know, but I, I think we're falling into a trap here. This they want to have this cultural civil war. They want to divide the country. Look on a lot of well, you know. But here's the thing: like what 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 I would say is that you know it does take two sides to have a civil war, right? Um, and what would be great is if what would be great is if conservatives who feel like you do, which I do think is a, I think there are a, a fair amount of them. I do. I mean, Donald Trump again. Donald Trump is probably one of them, right? Like. Who doesn't who who feel like it being gay or trans or, or queer is something that it 
is intrinsic in some way, and those people are Americans. If they want to serve, they should be able to serve, and they should have their rights respected um, as any other American citizen. Like, I actually, I almost thought, like, Richard Shelby, of all people, was going to give, like, the wisdom on this. Because when mm-hmm. they surprised him on CNN, like, he was as surprised as anyone. Like, he was reacting to the news in real time. Like, the thing he said was, I think everyone should be treated fairly. Right? And I was I like, yeah. that would be awesome. That should be the official GOP you know, like Anna, I, word I think, on this. I think this also illustrates a real moment that we're that my party is in. Okay, there is a broad, uh, uh, generally uh, look, set aside the cliches about Republicans and evangelicals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there is a broad swath of my party who basically do not give a shit who you have sex with. Right. They want to be. They want individual liberty and personal freedom. And 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 a constitutional government that protects those liberties and freedoms. And you know what? You know what's involved in that? In, in, in the view of a lot of people like me, of the government staying the fuck out. Right. Right. Of, of, of your day to day interactions with who you want to be with. I don't believe that 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 government gets a vote to ban or or allow marriage. I think that's a, those are civil institutions that are beyond government, should be beyond government's reach. Yeah. They should recognize things that, that society and, and churches engage in like that. But it shouldn't be their position to ban it or 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 force it either direction, right? So, but I do think that in the world of Trumpism, their desire is to cause these kind of social issue civil wars. Their desire is to is to is to fracture society, fracture cohesion, fracture trust. You know, we've had this conversation before. I think that that in the in the big picture. There have been basically four big civil wars that have happened in our country quietly, and Republicans won on the gun control question. They they fought to a draw on abortion. They lost on a mar- on gay marriage, and they lost on marijuana. Mm-hmm. Society has pretty much decided that LGBTQ people are here. We're going to figure out how we how we you know how we integrate everybody as a society. They figured out we pretty much like weed in this country. Um, you know, they figured out that abortion is 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 icky, but it's going to exist in some some format. And they like guns. These things are all you know social things that have been driven from the bottom up. So all these legislative and policy things that you try to tweak them on, especially something as ad hoc and as shitty and shameless as what the White House does, like on an issue like this, um, that defies the Defense Department. Yeah, completely. And and, um, and and like wreaks havoc if they want to actually do this, right? I mean, like. Yeah. Well, by the way, by the way, so as a guy who worked in the Pentagon and, and knows the knows the ways of how uh, the DOD would operate in a situation like this, the fact that the Department of Defense, that OSDPA, the Public Affairs Office, that their reaction to every media query today has been speak to the White House. Is that a fuck you? Oh, it's a ginormous fuck you. <laughs> There are are two things where you speak to the White House, where you want the White House to take full credit or the White House to take full blame. Guess which one it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Full disclosure, uh, Parachute uh, Sheets sent me a couple of things to try to make sure that I like them before they advertised on the show. And if you are a loyal listener to the show and you don't skip the ads, you might know that experiment worked out really well. Uh, Not only did I fall in love with the sheets, but my husband did too. And in fact, we ordered more of them uh, beyond the sample that we got. Uh, And we actually just also got their 
towels. The sheets are beautiful and comfortable. We ordered the linen ones, which you can really tell uh, how soft they get with each wash. It's kind of amazing. They're already kind of like in favorite t-shirt softness category. Uh, They also are just really well designed. Um, The pillowcases are not your usual um, pillowcase that just has the one open end on the edge. They're kind of more like envelopes. Uh, They fit the pillows in a really tailored way. Uh, They look fantastic. If you're the kind of person that loves that neat hotel kind of style and you want to have that in your bedroom, you're going to love these pillowcases. And the towels are also amazing. Um, We got the bath sheets, which usually means like kind of a beach towel sized, right? Like that's what a bath sheet is usually. Our bath sheets, the the parachute uh, towel bath sheets that they sent us are are like literal sheets. <laughs> like they would probably fully cover a twin size bed. I'm I'm not kidding. They are enormous and they are soft and they are a beautiful color um, and they feel amazing. And as with the sheets, they get softer with each wash. Although they started off pretty darn soft. I am told that they use an innovative aero cotton technology. The fibers are spun so that the air passes through the cotton, creating exceptionally absorbent quick drying towels. I can attest they are really absorbent and quick drying. I have really fine hair that is weirdly um, porous and it just sucks up water. Um, more than you would think, and it takes forever to dry unless I get unless I can really like kind of uh, you know use a towel to to sop up the edges of it. And these towels usually I have to use um, like a microfiber towel, and with the parachute towels I don't. Uh, my hair I swear dries like in half the time. So parachute sheets, uh, comfortable, soft. Awesome looking, great colors too. Parachute towels, uh, also very soft, um, absurdly luxurious in their size uh, and just feel amazing to use. Um, Again, if you like the hotel look in the bedroom, you probably like the spa look and feel in your bathroom. And that's what these parachute towels are like. So that is my testimony. You should order some for yourself. Uh, to try them out. If you go to parachute.com slash friends, you will get free shipping and returns and you will get a 60 night trial. If you don't love the things that you get, you can send them back. No question asked. Again, it's parachutehome.com slash friends for free shipping and returns and a 60 night trial. I am not lying to you. I would never lie to you. Um, This is an advertiser I truly love and feel really lucky uh, that I get to attest um, to having discovered them. You know, usual caveats apply. Uh, Property is theft. Capitalism is oppressive. But these sheets and towels are awesome. Parachutehome.com slash friends. You're going to like them. I should also point out that Parachute does good in the world, too. Uh, They partner with the United Nations Foundation, and when you buy your sheets, you can donate, as I did, uh, for malaria prevention bed nets. And also, if you return your sheets or towels, which I do not think you will, but if you do, they give the returns to Habitat for Humanity. So you can feel pretty good about indulging yourself. Parachutehome.com. 
com slash friends. So part of my frustration is I think I can be outraged by more than one thing at once. You know, like, um, <laughs> I think that I have outrage to spare. Um, so I can be angry about um, Trump not refusing Trump's uh trying to live above the rule of law in terms of the Russian investigation. I can be angry about um, the way that he's corrupting democratic norms. I can be angry about his self using the White House for self-enrichment. And I can be angry that he put a target on the backs of people I love today. You know, like, he, uh, well, which he did, you know, who they, and, and that is, I cannot say, I cannot simply say, I'm going to refuse to be distracted by this because there are people I love in this world who feel less safe today than, than, than they did that. last night. I understand that, and I, and I, I, I understand and I acknowledge that, okay? I, I, I completely understand that. Um, uh, and I think that, I think that in many ways, this is going to require a journey through the courts. I hope so. We are right now a country that, that we are being governed almost entirely by executive fiat, and what we have seen with the Trump administration time and again, while they governed by executive fiat, is that they're not very good at it. Is executive orders that they craft are subject to challenge. I think this will and should be subject to challenge because I think it, I think it goes into a space where, where as a conservative, the Constitution should be blind to all of the defining characteristics of who you are, except for one big one. Are you an American citizen? And if you are an American citizen, you deserve to have your rights protected under the Constitution as they are, as they are enumerated and defined and acknowledged in this country. So I think, I think this, this is going to have to take a journey to the courts. I think is in part that's what Bannon and, and Trump want, so that we have an ongoing, endless thing. And, and there have been a point and scream and, you know, oh, the trannies and the, and, you know, the other side is going to scream it's a genocide. And they want that, they want that crush. I want to get to the rule of law and have the courts decide this matter. I want the I want a constitutional government that obeys the rule of law. Now Trump is very bad at obeying the rule of law, but again, because we're being governed by executive fiat, I think that this has a big chance of being overturned. I I think so too, but you know, I I guess what my hope for for you, Rick, as your friend, um try to listen a little more about this. And I know I know you personally are you think of yourself as not, you know, uh, transphobic and not bigoted. And I know you you personally believe yourself to be a libertarian. And I and I am not questioning that. But I do just want you to think a little about when you talk about this being a distraction. Again, it's a small it may be a small number of the population. But in America, right. Only thing should matter is that who you are. And I mean, nothing about in America, it should uh, not matter, you know, who you love and what your body looks like, right? Uh, listen, listen. And those, and I just can't I, get over, like, Trump makes a lot of people, not just trans people, you know, like, feel personally less safe. And that's like the biggest violation of civil rights that there is. Well, I mean, no, I think the government randomly being able to kill somebody is the biggest. Well, personally less safe, personally less safe. That's what it means. Personally less safe to not be able to know that you are going to be safe in your person, that the government or someone who feels uh, validated by the government, by the president himself, can hurt you. Yeah, I I have to say this in a in a 
in a in a way that I'm, I'm not trying to walk around with your, your your assertion here, but under the Constitution, your enumerated rights. Uh, you know, if the government acts in a way that violates those enumerated rights, it should be it should be unable to do so. It should be sanctioned for doing so, and it should be revert those 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 things should be reversed. But right now, you've got a president and a team of people around him who, not to put too fine a point on it, are evil. And and so that's why my argument is this has to go through a, 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 ju- a judicial process, a legal process, because folks aren't going to feel safe until they understand, just as African-Americans have had this very long, slow, agonizing, painful arc um, you know, in this country of, of, of the slow improvement in, in terms of the way the government has, has looked upon them, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not putting too fine a point on it to say that this is going to be a, a, a longer process than I think a lot of LGBTQ people want. I mean, oh, of it's going to have to be something where there have to be legal precedence and legal standing and legal status. Um, that is acknowledged by, you know, the courts. And it can't, if you do things by executive fiat, then you are always vulnerable to the next guy reversing those things by executive fiat. Right. If you do things by executive fiat, you're always have a potential that you're driven by politics of the day. And that doesn't lead to long-term security for, for, for folks who are in minority groups. And, and again, I don't, the scale of the number I wasn't making a point about the number to diminish those right. folks. I'm making a point about the number to say that that this problem isn't as sweeping as as folks on the right would make it. Right. It isn't as as you know. Oh my God, there's a million you know uh, a million people trying to join the Defense Department tomorrow, and we've got to accommodate all these you know trans needs on this side or that side of the equation. It just it. it, it even if there's one person who's in a minority status, they're still an American citizen. They still have to be treated in a way that's consonant with the Constitution. Neither more or neither more or less rights than anybody else in the country. But you know, and I, I agree with you that that Donald Trump and Steve Bannon are deliberately trying to make this into a terrifying civil war. Um, no matter how you feel about LGBTQ issues. They're trying to make this into a dividing point in the country where they once again have the Trump base uh, and, and, and then the, the rest of America, not just Democrats and liberals and gay activists and LGBTQ activists, but also like decent Americans who don't have a lot of hate in their heart. You know, they're trying to make people pick a side on these things. Right. And, and yeah, I, I fully acknowledge it's a terrifying political behavior, um, but the only way to do it to, to fight back against it, honestly, is the rule of law. You can't, you can't fight back against, uh, you know, chaos with just more chaos. I and I agree, but I'm going to tell you right now, it would mean a lot to a lot of people in the world if you personally acknowledged that you are you have LGBTQ people's back on this. Like, and oh, if what? you if you personally acknowledge that you have their back on this, and if you think a little bit before you dismiss trans bathrooms issues if you think a little bit before you you talk about this being a distraction because it's not a distraction for people who feel threatened today and i know you're making it i know you're making and i'm actually just asking like as a friend like a friend so my friend my trans friend i'm not 
asked yeah, me, I'm like, not. was she was like, she was like, you know, uh, your friend Rick Wilson, it must be nice to be able to be friends with him and not feel, you know, uh, belittled by him when he makes dismissive s- statements about the trans bathroom issue. You know, like what you say matters in the world. I remember. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but but. My position on it is, you know, you you have to separate the moral dimension of it. Sure. And the political mechanics of it. And so the phrase dismissing it is not dismissing the issue as an issue, you know, qua an issue. It is. The understanding from based on 30 years of experience in this ridiculous business that people vote on things that absolutely directly move them day to day emotionally and that absolutely directly move them, um, you know, in their pocketbooks and their feeling of personal security. And and I again, it's not dismissive when I say that for the vast majority of Americans, this is not a top of mind issue. That doesn't mean it's not important to people. It's just for the vast majority of Americans, it's just not there. It's just a political um, reality on the landscape. And, and frankly, a lot of people think of themselves as being pretty tolerant and pretty, pretty okay with, with, with LGBTQ people. And, and they, they think that if their personal behavior is okay, then that's as far as they need to take it. Now, that's an advocacy question for the LGBTQ community on how you move people that are in that broad middle to be more activist and to be more engaged. But, you know, that's a, that's a fundamental political question. And let me, on the subject of, of having people's backs, I have, I'm, I'm, and believe me, I'm the last guy to do the my black friend thing. I have a lot of, of, of LGBT friends, a lot. I have several family members, okay? I, this is not something that is alien or, or bizarre to me. and. You know, but I'll also say this. If I see someone abusing a person for any reason, no matter who they are, I'm generally going to be the guy that wades in and gets out of the car, you know, and, 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 and tries to put a stop to it. And, and that would include um, the abuse of trans people. If I saw that happening or if I, or if I saw that in a way, look, I'm a Southern guy. And I was raised in a environment where, where you know, the, the the need to do the right thing when people when people who are vulnerable or 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 in a, in a less fortunate position than you uh, are in trouble or hurt or being hurt, you step in, you do something, you stand up. Now, uh, so you know, obviously these are all hypothetical, but believe me, I'm a good guy to have at your back, and I would be in that case. I would, I'm going to suggest that you uh, keep an eye on um, the kind of abuses that are happening online today against trans people and maybe stop your car and yeah, get out a- and say something then. And on that, we have to actually, I, I, we, you and I could probably talk about this more, but we probably could. I am just, I but feel like I aired what I needed to air to you. Um, I, I hope I've listened to you and I, I, I think, and I think. Like in a lot of ways, we're in a we're in a broad sense of agreement on this. In a lot of ways, I hope so. I think I think in my, you know, I, I have a, I think I have a fairly consistent conservative uh, ethos 
And that ethos does not include abusing people in minority groups. And, and, and that includes standing up against people who do that. I do think this was, listen, it is a distraction. Let's, let's acknowledge it's a distraction, but it's also a cruel distraction. It's meant to, it's meant to divide this country. It's meant to cause, you know, this sort of civil war that they, that they dreamed of every day since they started this process. So, so do your part and refuse to participate. That's what I would say. You, 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 you trust me. Uh, let me tell you, you're bigger than me. Uh, the, 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 wheel, the, the squealing of the machine at the Defense, Department of Defense is loud and long. And I, I, have, I, have, I do have some faith. I have more faith in our military than Donald Trump does. Um, that's for sure. Uh, and we're going to have to end it. Um, great conversation. Thank you. Um, I'm sure As we're going to be checking in with you again. Um, hopefully, I look forward to remaining we'll, a friend of the pod. <laughs> hopefully, the, you know, we're still here when you get back from vacation. Yeah, right. God bless. And that's it for the show. If you want to follow up with either of the folks we had on, they are both on Twitter. Greg Howard is at Greg Howard 88. That's G-R-E-G-H-O-W-A-R-D-88. And uh, Rick Wilson is the Rick Wilson. We, as a show, are also on Twitter at Crooked underscore Friends. And if you have thoughts that are over 140 characters, you can email us at withfriendslikepod at gmail.com. We are collecting um, stories and suggestions and questions for a sex ed show, um, if you want to send something along those lines. But we're also interested in hearing from trans people these days. I mean, always, but specifically for a show we're doing next week about this uh, trans ban uh, order directive, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, Trans voices are often missing from the debate about trans issues. And I would like to help remedy that myself. I encourage you to as well. Please seek out um, actual trans people uh, to get their opinions and insights um, and the richness of their experience when it comes to this debate. Uh, a couple of my favorite people to follow on Twitter are Parker Malloy. She's been on the show. I also love Janet Mock uh, and Sarah McBride, who is a spokesperson for the Human Rights Campaign. But just start looking. Start looking for those voices. Thank God they are being elevated right now. Um, you can find the stories of trans uh, people who are veterans and who are actively serving the military. And those are some of the best testimonies I have ever seen um, for any kind of civil rights issue, in part because um, some of them are cursing because they're, you know, as one of them said, motherfucking Marines. Uh, that That is actually my favorite quote of the week. I am, I've never identified as trans. I'm a motherfucking Marine. Let that guy keep serving, right? But that's it. Um, we got through another week, guys. Thank you. Thank you for making it for the show. And thank you for making it through another week. I hope you are well in Trump-adjusted terms. Until next week. Bye. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
but those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.